Okay. Right. Hello, today I have Sue with me. Hiya Sue, would you like to introduce yourself and tell us a little bit about yourself? Oh, uh, well, hello everybody. Uh, nice to be here. Um, my name's Sue. Um, I'm a novelist, poet, editor, sort of general all-round idiot. Um, my son once described me as professionally weird. I think I'll stick with that. <laughs> um, I've been writing, well, on and off for most of my life, really, if you include what I had to do at school, but I only um, started taking it seriously um, probably about 10 years ago. Well, no, 15 years ago when I had a, a life-changing event, about which more in a minute, and uh, that prompted me to, um, to do something a bit more concrete with what I was writing. But um, novels, how it all started, this was 40 odd years ago with this which um, we, we saw in the cinema, with, um, my husband and I, and it was a jaw-dropping film. I don't know if you've seen it, but it is, it is really the most amazing uh, version of Romeo and Juliet that I've ever seen, you know, before or since. And ever since then, I've thought, why does that story have to end so tragically? And the, that whole question haunted me for more than 30 years, actually, and then, I came across one of those lists of things you have to do before you die. And one of them, well, I mean, I didn't really fancy bungee jumping or hang gliding or any of those things that you're supposed to do before you die. But um, the thing that leapt out at me was write the book you want to read. And the book I've always wanted to read was the version of Romeo and Juliet in which it works out for them. Uh, and anyway, I got to work and this was the eventual result. It's um, written from the point of view of the friar. And it acts, well, it takes the form of a, a kind of backstory for him with uh, the Romeo and Juliet story running in the background. And it's sort of part prequel, part sequel to the original tale. Um, and it was, um, well, surprisingly well received at the time. It was first published in 2014. And then following Reversion of Rights, I reissued it under a new imprint with a few revisions uh, in 2018. Um, and since then, there have been a few more, um, mostly um, in res response, should we say response things? Um, this one is based on an old French legend. It's a sort of paranormal time slip romance. And this one needs no introduction, I hope. What happened to Heathcliff? How did he make his money? And, uh, and what happened to change him? And they've been great fun to write, all of them. There's a couple more as well, which I, I dipped my toe into cosy crime as well. I'm working on one at the moment, but uh, um, those are the ones that I'm probably most proud of. I love that. I've never heard anyone um, sort of think about something that's already out and then do their own take on it. That's awesome. That's so cool. <laughs> there, there are quite a lot of um, the, um, people who've um, written their own take on Heathcliff, for example. And, uh, and of course, the original um, spin-off was um, Wide Sargasso Sea by Jean Rhys, which is the story of the first Mrs. Rochester from Jane Eyre. Um, and I mean, you, you, you only see her very briefly in the story and she barely steps out of the shadows. But um, Jean Reese actually gives her her own story and her own uh, her own character, um, and that's that, that's fascinating actually. If you've never read it, I can highly recommend it. 
Um, so did you know at a young age that you wanted to be an author or just that you wanted to write anything? Um, I don't know, really. Um, I mean, I dabbled with poetry as well. Um, I mean, I did that for quite a long time. And I wrote short stories, um, letters, um, uh, articles for the parish magazine, um, the occasional stroppy letter to the Times. Well, usually a big, excuse me, I think you're fine. Um, I have one, actually. Um, do you remember Tamagotchis back in the 1980s? Well, our sons had them at the time, and I wrote a letter to the Times about Tamagotchis. Uh, and it got uh, to the, 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 the much sought-after spot, which is the bottom right-hand corner of the letters page. That's the one which is always the quirky one. And... <laughs> Following publication of that, I actually got some old guy from uh, a few miles away writing to me and asking me to elope with him. I don't know why. <laughs> My husband looked at this and said, well, he must be optimistic if nothing else. <laughs> I don't know what happened to him, poor chap. And then he was, uh, um, I think he, he readily admitted he was in his 80s at the time, I think. So I think he's probably no longer with us, poor fellow. But uh, <laughs> yeah. Hopeful, if nothing else. <laughs> I don't even know what to say to that. <laughs> wow. Neither, neither did I at the time. <laughs> I me. Apart from a polite <laughs> thanks, but no thanks. <laughs> yeah. I'm not quite sure what would have happened if I had run away with him. <laughs> no. Not a lot if he was in his 80s. No. no, but he did tell me to leave the Tamagotchis behind. <laughs> yep, no words, nothing. I have nothing. <laughs> oh dear. Um, so, what made you finally take the plunge and go for it and start writing? Right, well, um, oh, the life changing experience, yes. Um, well, um, I was an adoptee as a baby and um, quite out of the blue back in 2004, um, I got a letter from a post-adoption support group um, on behalf of the birth family who were trying to find me. And there'd been a, a change in the law at that point, which uh, although adoptees could search for their birth relatives, it didn't work the other way around for a long time uh, until then. Um, and anyway, to cut a very long story short, um, I made contact with the birth family. And my husband said, um, perhaps you ought to write an account of the missing years for them to read. Um, and that was how it started, really. I just wrote this probably about four or five pages of you know, a summary of my life until that point. And, and then um, it, quite independently of that, there was a, um, an open university course on writing family history, a short course. Uh, which unfortunately doesn't exist anymore. I think, I think they did away with their short courses um, a few years later, which is a great pity because they were great fun and very easy to do. Um, so I did that. And then I found out about the start writing fiction, start writing poetry and start writing plays. Uh, so I just did those in succession. And by that time I'd kind of, well, got the bug by then and thought, um, I think I know what to do now and my tutor um, for the fiction course a lovely lady called Valerie um, she said of one of my assignments you are very close to publishable and that thought helped sustained me for the next 
probably seven years, I think, until I plucked up the courage to submit my novel to a publisher. Um, and, uh, well, I, I'd also been doing an editing course uh, around the same time, and this same publisher that I subsequently um, joined um, wanted um, people to join their editing team. So that was how I got uh, into, um, should we say, into the publishing groove, it was actually through the editor door rather than through the, the author door. But um, I'm, I'm still with that publisher now. Uh, lovely, a lovely company, originally called Crooked Cat Books, but now called Dark Stroke, um, specialising in um, crime, um, paranormal stuff, and dystopian stuff. Um, so my, my, my books that um, don't really fit that genre are self-published, um, sort of under another imprint, but Heathcliff is still with them. Um, that's a, another incredible story. <laughs> <laughs> Well, um, I've often said I, I'd, I'd write, it, there's a lot more to it than what I've told you, but it would take far too long to go into detail. But I've often said I'd write a book about it if I thought anybody would believe it, because it really is the most incredible tale. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Why not? <laughs> <laughs> um, out of the books that you've written so far, which would you like to be transported to as a character yourself? Oh, crikey. Um... Probably never on Saturday, this one. This is the paranormal one, paranormal romance. Um, I think mainly because it's the one in which I can um, probably most easily relate to the characters because it's because part of it's contemporary, I think. Um, I mean, I, I, one of my, my cosy crime novel, uh, Oh yeah, this one. Um, this is also present day. It's um, based on um, an amateur dramatic society's production of Julius Caesar. Um, and that is based, um, or some of the background is drawn from my own experience of working with an am amdram company. Um, in fact, with the book I'm working on at the moment is a sequel to that with um, the same characters, the same setting, just a different play. <laughs> cool. <laughs> mm. So I suppose you could always say, you could say I'm already in that one uh, as as uh, as the um, the main female character, uh, but um, no, I think Never on Saturday is the one I'd I'd most like to, but mainly because I think I'd like to meet the uh, the, the central characters, you know, in person, uh, and uh, see what makes them tick. <laughs> yeah, I love that. Mm. Um, do you hide secret jokes or messages in your books that only a few people would understand? Yes. yes. <laughs> yeah. Um, I, there are one or two um, in, um, in Heathcliff because Heathcliff was one of the ones, uh, one of my books for O-Level back in the dark ages before GCSE. And um, we did Wuthering Heights um, and we struggled. Um, we struggled terribly, actually, with... Uh, have you read Wuthering Heights? Yeah. yeah. So you remember Joseph's incomprehensible dialect. Yeah. <laughs> we, we struggled trying to make sense of that. And so there are a few throwaway comments in Heathcliff about um, him being very difficult to understand. <laughs> and so my, my, um, my school friends who uh, who have read the book have said, oh, yes, I remember that. Um, and in... Um, in one of my books, um, I, um, my English teacher 
um, has a cameo role as well. I mean, she was a lovely lady, um, but um, alas, no longer with us. Um, but she, um, she's the one who um, is the voice of reason in the classroom, <laughs> but a uh, lovely lady. Yeah, it's funny what an impact they have. I'd love to know uh, um, if my English teacher is still around. I'd love to talk to her mm. again, but yeah, I don't mm. know. <laughs> yeah. yeah. We, had another, we had another English teacher, actually, just to digress for a minute, who, um, when we, she was teaching us Animal Farm, um, I mean, she always gave the impression of being very prim and proper. Um, and um, she was explaining the difference between a boar and a hog. And apparently, Boars are kept for breeding and hogs are kept for meat. And as a result, hogs are castrated. Um, and anyway, one of the class, in, in an obvious attempt to embarrass the English teacher, put her hand up and said in mock innocence, please miss, what does castrating mean? Never batted an eyelid, she just smiled sweetly and said, come and see me afterwards and I'll draw you a little diagram. <laughs> Perfect. My English teacher was a huge George Clooney fan and she had a big poster on the inside of her cupboard. <laughs> and it, it was just, yeah, she never made a secret of it either. It was hilarious. <laughs> and weirdly, I always know how to spell diarrhea because of her. Yeah, does it all really horribly over each ankle? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, weird, yeah. weird things that yeah, you remember. Yeah, amazing what useful things you pick up at school. <laughs> Yeah, that's about it, actually. Yeah. <laughs> where it ends. <laughs> so if you ever do need to spell diarrhea, think of your English teacher. Yeah, I do, all the time. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I can't help it. She taught it to me, so, yeah. Yeah, if ever I met her, I'd thank her for teaching me that, if nothing else. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure she'd be so grateful. <laughs> well, she'd probably be grateful that you still remember her. I'm sure mine would. Yeah. yeah. Mm. Yeah, I mean, it's been a long time since I was at school, and yet I still, yeah, I do remember mm. her fondly. <laughs> um, totally lost my train of thought now. Oh, <laughs> yes, 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 I think we found the level now, haven't we? Talking about mnemonics and how to spell diarrhea. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> I know, that, yeah, it's not very high, is it? <laughs> <laughs> Oh, come on, let, let's try and uh, come on, focus. Think of something highbrow. Um, no, well, not, no, necessarily, <laughs> not necessarily highbrow, but um, mm. what's the most interesting thing you found while researching your books? Oh, that's a tricky one. Um, actually, I, I, I can't really answer that because it would give too much away about the plot of Heathcliff. Um, but um, suffice it to say that... Um, trying to account for those missing three years. Um, I had to be very, very careful to get the timing correct because the dates in Wuthering Heights are very specific. He disappears in 1780 and he returns in 1783. And my first thought was, um, oh, I'll have him run away and be a pirate and get his, make his money that way. But unfortunately, the golden age of piracy was too early for that. And then I thought, okay, well, we'll have him in the American or Australian gold rush, but that was too late. So eventually I did find something that fitted that time frame, but I can't really say what it is because it gets too much away. <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> <laughs> you have to read the book to find out. 
yeah. <laughs> but what I did find out was fascinating, that I will say. I mean, I found one website which, um, I mean, I, I realised that getting on for two hours had gone past and I hadn't written a word. I'd spent so long studying this fascinating website. <laughs> yeah. Mm. Good old rabbit holes when you... Uh... Oh, God, yes. <laughs> um, what's been the most fun scene you've written, if you can tell us without spoilers? The most fun thing? Oh, giving Romeo and Juliet a happy ending, I think. Um, that's the thing I'm... I'm sure we say I'm most proud of. Um, having said that, I have um, I have an on, long ongoing project um, about uh, which consists of writing limericks, um, summarising the plot of Shakespeare's plays, and that's been quite fun too. Um, and uh, I'm about um, well, I've still got quite a way to go. I think I've done about fifteen or twenty now out of the thirty-eight I have to find to do. But then of course it requires an encyclopedic knowledge of plays, which in my case I have not got. So first of all I have to study the plots and uh, work out how to condense them into five lines. <laughs> but that, yeah. that, that is fun. That is fun. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> um have you made lots of author friends since you started writing? Oh gosh yes. <laughs> loads and loads. Uh, well my publisher has an author community um, where all the authors are um, belong to um, well a private Facebook group. Um, but we are encouraged to support one another and help to promote one another's books and um, give um, give advice and uh, you know share our experience. We can always ask if there's if there's a problem, if anyone else know, knows how they dealt with it, that sort of thing. Um, and that that plus the friends I made in my writing group and friends I've made in the Romantic Novelists Association and oh, well, my friend base has expanded well probably a hundredfold uh, since I started writing. <laughs> yeah it's lovely isn't it it's a really yeah. nice community. Mm, yeah. And do you get a lot of feedback from readers? Yes most of it positive the rest of it I ignore. <laughs> Best way. <laughs> yeah, well, you can't please everybody. You just have to develop a thick skin and, uh, and accept that there's, there are some people out there who don't appreciate what you do or that what you do is not to everybody's taste. But uh, so long as um, you don't make anything uh, to uh, make, any, make any serious mistakes. Um, I mean, that, that's one thing that as an editor, I must admit, I have um, acquired a reputation for being a professional nitpicker. And, um, but it's it's the kind of thing that you basically you do have to uh, to be wary of. I mean, people say, "What well, what do you do as an editor?" Thinking, "No, oh, you just proofread it and correct any typos." But there's a lot more to it than that. Um, one of which is fact checking. Um, and uh, I mean, I mean that can be anything from something as simple as you know having a particular plant and flower at the wrong time of year, or um, and I, I edited one book which was set in Italy, um, but all the natives spoke Spanish. <laughs> yes, the author obviously um, hadn't fully appreciated that two language are, languages aren't interchangeable. <laughs> Very different. <laughs> yeah. yes. um, as an editor, does it make you more careful when you write or are there still things that you do do you have your own little habits or words and phrases that you overuse um oh well 
de well, definitely I have phrases I overuse. I mean, I'm, I'm edit editing one of my earlier books at the moment for re-release. Um, and I found all sorts of things that, you know, now with the benefit of sort of age and experience, I wouldn't do. So, you know, I'm trying to bring it up to date and get rid of all the that's and the so's and the wells and things that have crept in over time. <laughs> Um, and uh, you know, I mean, I suppose you, you have to ask yourself, what do I really need this word or this sentence? And would, would the piece still make sense without it? And then nine times out of ten, the answer is yes, it would, and no, you don't. Yeah. Um, I totally forgot what I was going to ask you again now. Um, I'm talking about editing and... Uh, yeah. Yeah. My mind has gone off somewhere else. <laughs> don't worry, don't worry. Um, a fun question, but possibly a hard one to answer. If you were to be a killer in a book, how would you kill your victims? A killer? Ooh, now then. Uh, well, hopefully in a way that wouldn't be detectable. <laughs> I'd have to work on that. <laughs> <laughs> Um, and if you were to be fictionally killed, what detective would you want to solve your murder? Right. Um, probably Poirot, I should think. Um, because um, nothing escapes him. And, uh, <laughs> I mean, I, um, Agatha Christie was sort of my introduction to crime fiction when, um, when I was 14, I think on the recommendation of that same English teacher I told you about earlier, in fact. Um, and um, the, fir uh, the first one I read was Roger Ackroyd. Have you read that? The Murder of Roger Ackroyd. Okay. Oh, well, I, I won't say any more other than I can say it is extremely good and extremely clever, and it had me completely baffled. Um, but do read it. Um, but um, since then, I, um, I read more of the Poirot novels. And... Um, I realised, you know, his, his method of detection is basically never believe anything that he's told without double checking it himself, because um, people can, well, either omit things or um, deliberately lie about them. So um, yeah, he, if, if somebody tells him, oh, I saw a man in a grey coat going that way, um, he would ask anybody else, you know, did you see a man in a grey coat? Or he'd look for himself for the man in the grey coat. And only when he'd found the man in the grey coat or evidence that the man in the grey coat really existed, would he take that forward? Yeah. Mm. Um, what's been your highlight so far since you started writing? What's been your standout moment? Standout moment? Um, winning a poetry competition, I think. Um, that was um, in Writing Magazine. Um, I, um, I won one of their, their major competitions back in 2013. And I think that has probably been, uh, um, well, I was quite incredulous at the time because I thought um, they must have got this wrong. But, um, but no, since then, um, yeah, I mean, I've, I've enjoyed what I've done since then, but I think that's probably the pinnacle of, uh, um, of what I've done sort of achievement wise. Um, apart from getting the novels published, of course, which, uh, um, it, again, is not, uh, not a trivial um, goal to achieve, really. 
No, not at all. People downplay it all the time and it drives me nuts. Like, oh, I've just done this. It's like, no, you haven't. You spent a year yeah. or yeah. whatever of your life, you know, that's your baby. It's not just anything. No, you know, it's, and, and don't yeah. ever say it yeah. is because it's not. <laughs> no. I mean, you have to, um, it's very difficult not to compare yourself with other more successful writers, I find. Um, and, but, but try not to do that because it's very disheartening. Or to try and focus on what you have achieved, not what you haven't achieved compared to anybody else. Yeah. I mean, you've done more than a lot of people that have always said, I want to write a book and never have. So you've achieved mm. more than a lot of people. So, yeah. Well, when I started on The Ghostly Father, um, I didn't actually have in mind to have it published. I was writing it just for myself um, because you know, it was the, the ending I'd always wanted. Um, but I sh when I finished the first draft, I showed it to a couple of friends um, who'd expressed an interest in what I was doing. And, and they both said, you ought to take this further, you know. I think other people might like this. And, well, judging by the number of people who've been kind enough to say they've enjoyed it, I think they might have been right. Um, if you're able to spend a day with any author, dead or alive, who would you like to spend a day with? Oh, right. Um, Dead, probably Shakespeare. Um, alive, probably J.K. Rowling. <laughs> yeah, interesting. I, I, I'm a big Harry Potter fan, and I'm not ashamed to admit it. And I like Harry Potter. Well, don't you shame to admit it? Um, um, lots of people diss it, but why should they? They're very good books. They are, they're incredible. And I won't ever have anyone, you know, I know not everyone will like them, but you know, they're popular for a reason. Mm, yeah. Yeah, what she created was phenomenal, absolutely yeah. phenomenal. It was, yes. Yeah. Yes, a very, very clever lady. Yes, absolutely. I have her latest um, Robert Galbraith book to read actually, but it's like that thick, so I haven't got around to it yet. <laughs> I'm not sure if I got it last Christmas actually. <laughs> I've had it a while I think I don't think I got it for my birthday I think it was before then <laughs> <laughs> oh you should see my TBR pile I can't even see over the top of it <laughs> people are someone asked me yesterday what's on mine I'm like I don't, I don't even count them like there's no point in counting it just wouldn't do anything <laughs> it, mm. it's there and we don't need to worry about numbers it's fine <laughs> yeah yeah I do a lot of arc reading and blog blogging and stuff as well so I have yeah. a lot to <laughs> well, if you can see the bookshelf behind me there, um, that is, um, yeah, um, the lower shelf is all the books I've had a hand in producing, oh, um, wow. ones I've either written or edited, um, and the one above is books by people I know. <laughs> oh. That's cool, yeah, <laughs> I love that. Lots of black covers. <laughs> well, I think that's just coincidence, actually. <laughs> um, what do you like to do when you're not writing or editing or anything? Uh, oh, right. Um, mm, uh, walking, usually with a pair of binoculars slung around the neck, looking out for birds. Um, what else? Um, listening to music quite like um watching crime dramas on the telly i mean that they, they sort of sustained us through lockdown and uh what 
um, thanks, thank goodness for ITV3, <laughs> where we can record the old episodes of Midsummer Murders or Vera or whatever, and uh, um, uh, and then watch one of those of an evening when we couldn't go out. Um, I mean, we we, we used to socialise, you know, of an, of an evening with friends, but of course lockdown put paid to that. But since since then, it's been the um, the pub in the evening has become Costas in the morning, which uh, we all found a lot more. <laughs> Yeah, a lot easier yeah. all round. Yeah, at least you can talk to people in Costa. Then it just yeah. make, even makes me think, oh, I'm so getting old. But if you can't talk to people in a pub, it's too noisy. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Well, um, the one we used to go to used to have background music, which was awful because we, we had to shout to make ourselves heard. Uh, and, and it's uh, thump thump, isn't it? As well, it's not music yeah. <laughs> again. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, no, not, not what we would choose to listen to anyway. <laughs> no, I don't care if it makes me sound old, it's awful. <laughs> <laughs> and on a random aside, did you watch um, Show Trial on the BBC? I did, yes. And are you going to watch um, You Don't Know Me, I think, which starts Oh, that's tomorrow. the one that starts tomorrow, isn't it? Yeah, um, in Ram Mahmood. Yes, uh, I've seen the trailers. It looks interesting. I think I might give it a go. The um, book is incredible absolutely oh, yeah mm. um I people kept talking about it and one of my closest friends kept recommending it she kept telling me to interview him which I did in the end but it's one of those books that's so different and it mm. was just brilliant and it doesn't really you decide at the end as well he doesn't tell the answer so oh yes. it's one of those make your own mind up ones yeah mm. oh right that's interesting um yeah. Yeah, I, I have mixed feelings about those, actually. It depends how they're done. Um, I mean, there is one, um, the, well, the, the famous one, of course, is The French Lieutenant's Woman, which has two alternative endings. Uh, but there is another book by the same author, uh, which is about that thick. And it's a real page turner, right from the very first paragraph. And it ends one sentence too early. So sort of 600 odd pages of absolutely gripping stuff. And they end up, ended up throwing the thing across the room at the end. <laughs> yeah, that's not the one, is it? No. My new show trial was a bit like that. I still wasn't sure at the end. Well, whether she'd done it or not. No, mm. I don't know. Well, I've got that yeah. much. I'm not sure whether he'd done it. But, yeah. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Yes, yeah. I, I tell you, one thing that, I and mean, then this is you know, the, the, the nitpicker coming out in me again. <laughs> The thing that really annoyed me about it, the four person was sitting in the wrong seat. Oh, no, yeah, I, she should have I, been I, at the end, shouldn't she? She should have been at the end, yeah. And then I did your yeah. service and they said the foreman always sits right hand end of the front bench as seen from the courtroom. So why wasn't she? <laughs> yeah, well, actually, the um, I know it was done that way for TV, but the the witness book should have been facing the jury as well because the witnesses were supposed yes. to speak to the jury, yeah. but obviously they couldn't do that because it's on telly. But, yeah, that yeah. annoyed me as well. <laughs> <laughs> like, no, it's for TV. They have to yeah. do it that way. Just yeah. forget about it. Well, yeah. the artist, well, there's a difference between artistic licence and actually getting something wrong. Yeah. Well, well, well certainly, um, certainly when there's no need for it. Yeah, that, exactly. The... It wouldn't have made any difference, I don't think, if they'd moved that woman to where yeah. she should have been. Yeah. No. Yeah. No, yeah I I why do they keep? Why does the camera keep focusing on her? I thought. 
Yeah, I know. It isn't until literally the last episode when she gets up, you're like, oh, okay, yeah. that's why. <laughs> why is she sitting there? <laughs> I know it's a fairly minor point, but it's bloody annoying. Oh, yeah, totally with you. Yeah, I saw that as well, and I was just like, Ugh. <laughs> okay. Yeah, I know. These artistic licenses. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Because um, I've studied forensics, so yeah. um, I will know. I notice things, um, d- silly things as well, and I just have to just like block it out. Like, no, nope, doesn't yeah. matter. It's just TV. It's fine. It doesn't <laughs> matter in the grand scheme of things. <laughs> well, it shouldn't, but it does. Yeah, I know. Can't help it. Yeah. <laughs> Um, if you're able to travel to any period of time, either forwards or backwards, where would you go? Right. Stick my neck out here. Back to 2016 and tell David Cameron not to call that bloody referendum. Interesting, but yeah. <laughs> Never has so much been destroyed for so many by so few. I mean, I know that we're supposed to have a say and stuff and we're entitled, but what do we know about that? Mm. We don't know enough, you know, and our our vote was cast on on a very huge lack of knowledge of consequences. And it should well, have... huge lack of knowledge of consequences at best, at downright lies at worst. Yeah. Mm. So, yeah, yeah, I yeah. totally agree. Hello, Trix. Are you going to come to hello? We've got company. Hello, Trix. Hello. 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 You can say hello. No, you're not. Hello. I'm over here. No, no, she's on social. There you go. I love dogs. Yeah, we've only had uh, just over two weeks as a rescue. So. Oh, lovely. Yes. Yeah. I, I, I used to have a Westie when I was younger. Mm. Yeah, as you can see, she's hating her life here. Oh. She hasn't settled in at all. <laughs> How old are you? Uh, nearly four. Oh. Yeah. You're a good girl, aren't you? Yeah. You're a good girl. <laughs> just like, what are you doing? <laughs> she could roll her eyes, I'm sure she would, wouldn't you? <clears throat> um, so are you working on anything at the moment and do you know what you're going to do next? Um, well, yeah. Uh, I'm, as I say, I'm working on... Um, Re- getting one of my back catalogue ready for reissue. Um, well, two, two actually. The, the two, they're, they're linked actually. This is about family secrets, and this is its companion novel, um, in which, uh, well, the um, at the end of this, I realised I'd left a loose end left dangling. It didn't really matter, sort of, to the story. But it did um, leave a way open for, for a sequel, which is what this one is. Um, but they, they're both um, out of print at the moment, but I need to, um, I'm working through them to reissue them, um, probably together and hopefully before Christmas, but uh, don't hold your breath. Christmas tends to uh, warp time, doesn't it? <laughs> I know, how is it December already anyway? Yeah, I know. Where are we now? The 4th, is it? Yes. 4th of December in... In three weeks' time, it'll be Christmas. Oh, joy. Yeah, it will as well, won't it? 
Yep. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, I well, just can't get around it, I'm afraid. I mean, I, I managed to dig these out of the, the archives, really, for the uh, for today, but uh, um, that's as far as it's got. Oh, and I, I sent one Christmas card to Australia. That's just the, that's what I've done. So I've, I suppose I've you could say I've started it, but yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, I've done my T-shirt out. I was supposed to do it for the first, actually, for someone else, but she forgot as well, so that's fine. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, I can't think of any more questions for you, unless you think there's anything I haven't asked that you want to tell us about. Um, I don't think so, thanks. I think we've covered a lot of ground. We have. Thank you very much indeed. It's been lovely. You're very welcome. And before you go, would you just like to tell everyone where they can get your books from? And where they yes. can find out more about you if they would so wish. Yeah. Well, they, yeah, they can, um, <laughs> if, they, if they wish, yes. Um, they can find me on my Facebook page, which is um, Sue, Sue Barnard Author. My books are available on Amazon, all of them. And my blog um, is called Broad Thoughts from a Home. Um, uh, any fans of Robert Browning, I'm sure there must be some of them out there, might recognise the sly nod to his... Uh, to home thoughts from abroad um but it started off as a poetry blog so it, it ought to have a poetry themed title but um yeah you'll, you'll find links to my books on there anyway fabulous so thank you very much <laughs> well thank you lovely to talk